Hey y'all, Amanda here with Veterans Drinking Vodka. We are excited to welcome you back for season two of our podcast where we are talking to everyday veterans, learning their stories and their struggles. So sit back, buckle up and enjoy the ride as we navigate season two, Veterans Drinking Vodka. Cheers. I forgot to look at the calendar again. You gotta be like day 40 or something like that. I don't even know. Oh no, for tomorrow. Okay. I'm drinking water. Okay, I started January 5th was my last day of drinking. So January 6th was day one. And today is February 18th. So Whoever's listening can calculate those days. By the time this comes out, I'll be drinking and we'll take it from there. (laughs) And I'll drink again on April 1st. Water. No math. We don't like math here. We don't do math. No, we don't. What are you drinking, Amanda? Um, Well, this evening I am drinking a lovely vintage. Peach on peach. No, a lovely mystery vintage mystery vodka. Okay. With an orange cream handcrafted soda. How? How is it? Delicious. It is a fancy. It is a vintage mystery vodka because it is a vodka I poured into a plastic bottle a few months ago and don't remember what it is. It's not flavored? It possibly is flavored. You didn't even smell it first? No. You always uh, smell first. Right. Smell it, smelled, it smelled like sweet vodka. So I'm sure it's got some kind of fruity flavor in it. I just couldn't tell you what it is. Okay. So it's a mystery fruity flavor vodka. Maybe yeah. possibly. That could I be mean, like BPA going into the vo- infused, going into the vodka from the bottle. I mean, it could be. And if I get closer, <laughs> then we'll know. But in the meantime, this vodka is delicious. especially with that soda it's a handcrafted orange creamsicle soda that's what's making the drink (laughs) i mean it's not yesterday's beverage with new ice so i thought i was doing pretty good there ain't nothing wrong with that (laughs) welcome to this episode of veterans drinking vodka we believe that every veteran has a story to tell and we are here to tell it we have found that being a service member was easy but being a veteran can be very hard. In this episode, we are talking to Margie Anderson. This is going to be a great episode. Oh, man. If you are not subscribed to our YouTube channel, you are going to want to subscribe for this episode. Yes. Yes. It's entertaining already. You're only getting to see and hear half of it. Anyway, Margie served in the United States Army from 2004 to 2009, and she was the police, the military police. 5-0 military. How are you doing, Miss Margie, and what are you drinking? I am fabulous. I am loving my time with you ladies. (laughs) You've been nothing but a blast, and I am very, very patriotic. I love my country. So the only drink that is right for me is a red, white, and blue Smirnoff vodka. 
Oh, cheers. Cheers to that. Look at, look at that. That is Amber's favorite vodka. It is. It is. I told her about how I had to buy two bottles in St. Louis because I can't yes. find it in Texas. I know. I feel like you Did we just become best normal. friends? I think so. <laughs> Welcome to our feral. world, Margie. Welcome to our world. This is us. <laughs> going to buy bunk beds. <laughs> I have bunk beds in my new RV. Oh, my gosh. There's so seats. much room for activities. Yes. It is a office slash art studio slash veterans bunk bed hangout scenario. I'm there. Yeah. Count me in. Let's do it. You could bring yours and we can like make a walkway in between <laughs> from like door to door. Yeah. Guys, I'm yep. Yep. <laughs> doing this. We're gonna make it happen. All, All right. right. <laughs> Permission <laughs> to come aboard, Captain. Yes. <laughs> we need someone to have our back when we start talking shit. Oh my god. <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm not even sad that I'm not drinking right now, but it'd be so much more fun if I was. <laughs> oh. oh man. We would like to give a huge thanks to Rafa 180. Rafa 180 offers pure medicinal CBD and products made locally. They walk alongside individuals to achieve a healthy lifestyle with options needed by each person. You can learn more about them on Facebook at Rafa CBD, their website www.rafa180.com or email at rafacbd at gmail.com. They truly believe your journey matters. Margie, can you tell us a little bit about where you're from and how your story started? Oh, man. All right. Hey, we, we rehearsed this. We oh did. <laughs> we rehearsed this. Because I was like, what the fuck do I say? What do you want to know? Comes to mind, Miss Margie, we are. And if you drop a swear word or two, we won't even be mad at you. Thank God. Because mm, maybe I should we'll just bleep it all out. We're not bleeping. Shit. You had to bleep it all out. No, fuck no. Oh, thank God. My God, I was like, the shit. whole thing was sound like beep, and she said bleep, bleep. We keep <laughs> Amber around for her sparkling vocabulary. Mm. I have a short vocabulary. Fuck is used constantly. So anyway, back to the story. Um, what would you ask? Where are you from? Oh. I'm from Georgia originally. So I grew up in Georgia for 17 years. Um, my aunt and uncle actually adopted me when I was 17 because my mother um, physically, mentally, and emotionally abused me. And, you know, my sister, you know, wasn't a nice person and my dad wasn't really around. But none of the family knew until I tried to commit suicide at 17. So my aunt and uncle found this out. They took custody of me and I moved to Germany. And that's where my real life began, I, I want to say. And that's where I learned about the military. So I'm from Georgia, but I really, I love the South, but I kind of claim Germany because that's where my life began. Being in Germany, would, did that play a role in why you decided to join the army or why did you join the army and what made you decide to be an MP? So it, it did. My aunt was the personal secretary, the commanding general of fifth corps and the commanding general of uh, Europe. My uncle was in the army. He was a colonel at the hospital. 
And I, I went to high school with a lot of different military kids, obviously. And that's why it made me decide to go. Well, not that graduated high school, went to college for a year. And while I was in Germany, that's when nine 11 happened in while, while I lived in Germany and just seeing all the influx of everybody. And I loved my country. And so I did finish my year of college in Germany and I kind of ran out of money because <laughs> hmm, college in Germany, I traveled and drank a lot. So I ran out of hey, money. Cheers, cheers to college in Germany. Cheers I know. Germany. So I left Germany and I went back home to Georgia and I started working, but I didn't want to work because I just saw all my friends and I, I, I knew a lot of people that were in the military and that was in, I think in 2000, well, sorry, I left Germany in 2002 and 2003 of March, that's when we bombed Baghdad and I just had a lot of friends there. And I think not too long after that, I went and signed up for the delayed entry program. So I took all the tests and everything. And they're like, we can send you right now. You could be engineer. You could do this, this, and this. I said, no, I want to be an MP. And they're like, no, 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 no. You need to do this other stuff. And I said, I want to be an MP. And the only reason why I really wanted to be an MP, because at that time, that was the closest a female could be towards the front line. You know, I mean, yes, granted other people were, other females were doing things with MOSs, but to be known to be that close to the front line. So I said, I'm going to be an MP or bye. So that's how was, um, (laughs) being in Germany, watching nine 11, I'm sure that, so you were watching it on German TV, German news channels. So how was that, you think? We were actually in class when it was happening, because obviously the time difference. And I was getting out of class and went to the computer room and everybody's like, the tower just got hit. And I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? The tower got hit. And I'm like Googling and I'm just watching shit. And so because of who my aunt worked for, the commanding general, you know, the four star of Europe. And, you know, she was actually in a conference call with the president at that time. Like what it, what's going on? I couldn't get a hold of my aunt for a long time. And because my college was on an American base, it just shut down really quick. Guys were out on the, you know, outside with guns and everything. It it was interesting how that all took place. And we were stuck on that base for like two days. So we went home, we were allowed to go home and I lived like 30 minutes away, but driving back to that college, it was weird because all the um, Turkish people, our, our license plate said USA and they were pointing and laughing at us or at me as I'm driving, you know, to the school and it really hurt. Oh, I can imagine. But it was also cool to see all the people 
you know, cause I could walk off base seeing them putting flowers down. They were trying to give us food. Um, we, I lived off a of base with my aunt and uncle. Our neighbors were just giving us flowers and food and just, you know, saying they were sorry. Is there anything we could do? And we're just like, well, it wasn't happening to us personally, but it affected right. our country. It was interesting. I would say living in a different country. Right. Watching it all go down. Yeah. But yeah. Because I remember, I know like the date after was like September 12th, super patriotic in America. Every every American loved America immensely. And everyone had their flags up and all of everyone loved everyone. And to not have that experience being in another country, but still mourning the loss of what happened in in the United States. It was, it was weird because we had in, cause I lived in Heidelberg and Mannheim and it was very cultural dynamic cultural there. So we did have Turkish, we had Iraqis. It was, it was a little scary cause we didn't, we didn't know at the time who did this to us, Right. <laughs> but it was interesting now that you make me really think about it. It's like, hmm, that was actually interesting. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry to get a little off topic. I just Oh no, totally fine. I just think that that's I don't know, an important part of your story and yeah. leading up to you being in the military. So mm-hmm. um so what duty stations did you have while you were in the army and did you have a favorite one? So <laughs> funny thing is, I only had two. My first duty station was Fort Detrick, Maryland, but we actually worked and this was 2004. So my first duty station was in 2004, Fort Detrick, Maryland. And we worked in Pennsylvania, actually, in a secret site. Um, It's called the Underground Pentagon. So that's where I was at for my first uh, first first duty station securing that and uh honestly I wasn't I was there maybe a year because I called my aunt and I was like I want to get back to Germany and I want to go I want to go to Iraq and she was she was arguing with me for a while and she's like I'll get you to Germany just you have to do your paperwork but you're not going to Iraq I said yes I'm going to Iraq. So got my paperwork and General B.B. Bell, he was the uh, user, the commander of Europe. And I've known him since he was a one star. And he had aunt down because she wanted me as his um, security. And he said, I'm not going to do that to her. She wants to go to Iraq. And if she wants any kind of military career, she needs to deploy And so he actually made sure I went to a good company in Germany that had just came back from Iraq. So they were on their downtime. So I went to that company and yeah, I'm pretty thankful that he did, to be honest. So most, most people are at their first duty stations, like two years at the minimum. I wasn't even at my first duty station a full year before I was back in Germany. Cheers to who you know. Did you catch any flack for using the people that you knew to kind of get what you wanted? 
Or did no one really know about There's it? no kind of get what she wanted. I mean, she got what she wanted. Well, I still had to do the paperwork, the proper paperwork. You know, you call the people and it's like, hey, I want a new duty station. I mean, obviously, yes, I had a little help to get to my first, my second duty station. And yes, I had to help being put in, in a proper one. I didn't, well, my, my commander and first sergeant, when I first got there, they sat me down. They're like, we know who you are. <laughs> we know who you know, but don't let that, you know, think you're going to get anywhere. And I was like, okay. Because <laughs> I I didn't care because I grew up with these people. I went to high school with them. I was friends with them. I'm like, okay, I don't care. I just wanted to be back in Germany and right. I want to go to Iraq. That's all I cared about, you know, but this will come back of who I knew in Iraq once we're in Iraq I will say that I was happy that I got there and I was actually at my first duty station I was supposed to be med boarded out because something happened to my back but I fought really hard to not get med boarded out and I learned how to walk again backstory something something happened with my back and my leg gave out and they couldn't figure out why they were going to med board me. But I was like, nope, I've got orders to Germany. I'm going. So a lot of physical therapy and shit in Germany. I had to train really hard. That was something my first sergeant and my doctor said, if you can't get through training for Iraq, then you're not going to go. So I trained really, really hard so I could go. Sorry. We got to go, right? The shit show continues. Yes, obviously I got to go, but <laughs> everything was just like, you're not going. Like something just kept on fucking happening. My smallpox shot got fucking infected and they're oh, like, you're not no. going. And I was like, well, okay, hold on. Let's back up. So we trained really good and everything. Got to go to, you know, we're like, okay, we're going to Iraq and everything. So we're in Ramstein. And my smallpox shot had not fucking popped yet. And it was like the night before we're supposed to fly to Kuwait. So it hadn't popped. And then all of a sudden my arm just started turning red. And I went to the medic and I'm like, (laughs) and because we're already through security, we're, you know, we've been weighted and everything. My first sergeant, my medic and security had to escort me to the fucking hospital (laughs) Where this dude put on this fucking outfit and popped my smallpox. And he's like, okay, you're going to have to stay behind for the next two days. And I looked at my first sergeant and I just started crying. I was like, don't leave me. (laughs) Because I had just spent all that time working really hard to prove I can go to Iraq. You know, I can walk. I can, I can carry all these weapons I'm not going to let my physical stuff affect me. I'm going to be there. And then your smallpox is trying to derail you. (sighs) It keeps getting better. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. I have to laugh. Like, people are like, why didn't you just stay home? Like, I I wanted to go. (laughs) So anyway, anyway, I'm there just bawling at my version. Don't go without me. You can't leave like an idiot he's like okay so the medic he uh the doctor gave me a shitload of medicine he was like once you get to kuwait i guess go 
find another doctor there. And I'm like, okay, so get to Kuwait. Everything's fine. The redness goes away, whatever. I'm fine. So we're in Kuwait for what, three weeks. And while you're in Kuwait, a female has to walk around with another female. Well, I was in the gym working out and my other females left me, fucking left me in the gym. And thank God I had a walkie talkie. I was dating a guy at the time that was in our company and I walkie talkie to him and I'm like, uh, I'm in the gym and there's, I don't know anybody. Can you come get me or send somebody? He's like, actually, I'm around the corner. I'll come get you. So I started walking back and lo and behold, it's me and a male walking. My first sergeant sees me and starts ripping me a new asshole. And I'm just trying to tell him like, they left me. What am I supposed to do? Just camp out at the gym? Yes. I guess so. (laughs) So um, then my platoon sergeant gets a hold of me and just corrective trains my ass to the ground to the point where it actually threw my back into spasms and all that, all that work I had done in physical therapy went down the drain. Like I was dragging my legs and it was the, um, <laughs> the 50 cal. Cause I was screaming for a medic. Cause I was in so much pain. I had the 50 cal and I just threw it at him and it, thank God landed on his feet. And a medic finally came out and they carried me to the, uh, to the aid station. And they're like, you're fucked. Like, you need to go back. And I'm just like, start crying again. And my first sergeant shows up and he's like, and I cried to him. I was like, please, you can't leave me. I can walk again. I will figure this out. See, like I said, it's just a shit show after a shit show. So I was able to fly to Iraq. Thank God. Um, I was put on headquarters, so I wasn't with pl- my platoon anymore. The people I had trained with for the entire time. And uh, I think that's one thing that hurts me the most is the first people that got hit was my team. And mm-hmm. I, I wasn't there. And those were my my guys, and they were they were hurt pretty bad. But I was still in Iraq. I know. Why do I laugh about that? It Because we as veterans have six senses of fucking humor. So we laugh, we laugh at shit that civilians look at us like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Yeah. That's so fine. I don't know where we were supposed to go with that, but... Oh, my first duty station. Oh, yeah. So Maryland, Germany, Iraq, back to Germany, and I got the fuck out. In a nutshell. In a nutshell. Sorry. <laughs> I appreciate. I was like, oh wait. Was Germany your favorite then? I can assume. Yes. Um, I'm. I'm working hard to get back to Germany. You know, not working hard. I love my job that I have now, but that's something I want to get back to is work over there for yeah. the government somehow. I was gonna say like, 
Um, I have a good friend that was a VA counselor and she, that's how she got to Germany. That's because she got a job as a VA counselor and then they needed counselors over there working on the, the base in Germany. So she's been in Germany for two years now. Are your aunt and uncle still there? No. When did they leave? They left not too long after I got out of the army. So they were there. That was a perfect four, by the way. Oh, I, I, fabulous. Yeah. Perfect. I don't think anyone's ever refilled a drink on our show either. I have. Other than us. Because I, I usually go. Person. Yeah. I got this. Yeah. You go girl. Scale Executive Search is a veteran owned and operated search firm serving aerospace tech and startups. They've managed to set themselves apart by not only understanding the job market, but also ensuring their candidates and clients are invested in not only their careers, but also themselves and their families. So do you have, you've already told us several stories, which are incredible, but do you have a favorite active duty story that you can share with us? I don't know if this is a funny one or fun one. I was a private. Every good story starts with either. I was a private. I I know. Or Or I was drinking vodka. (laughs) Hold my drink. No, I don't know if I want to tell the one where everybody threw the. How about just tell us both? You don't even have to tell us both. We're not picky. (laughs) Fuck it. So my first duty station, I'm in it. Because my second duty station was mostly in Iraq. We trained 16 months in Iraq. So there's those stories. But my first duty station. Which I think was pretty awesome, by the way. What? To, to be like guarding secret underground Pentagon, Pentagon in Pennsylvania. I mean, it wasn't Iraq, but. It was, it was cool. I tried to search for the alien that was in there, but he wasn't there. Oh, bummer. I'm joking. <laughs> it's fucking depressing. I know. Anticlimatic. Washed, like. Just ruined my childhood. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But I'm, I, it was an area of 51. Okay. So we were on 12-hour shifts, and we were on the mid part, the night part, and E1 or E2, I don't even remember what the hell I was. I was somebody. I'm always somebody. Everybody's somebody. I know. So we were um, playing poker, and all the vehicles needed to be refueled. So we had to take them off the site go into, go into town and refuel them. But nobody wanted to go because they're just playing poker and having a good time. So they're like, Anderson, go. And then this other guy who's not allowed to leave base at all. They're like, you two go. It's fine. Nobody will know. Okay. So he drives because he doesn't like my driving. Whatever. Men usually don't Men don't understand women drivers. Right. So, okay. So he drives and we're driving a diesel truck. We go and refuel. I do not refuel. The other dude refuels. Oh my God. He put in regular fuel, didn't he? Oh my God. (laughs) The guy that's not supposed to leave base or anything. He refueled, put gas in a diesel. And so we almost start to go and he realizes oh shit and I'm like what oh shit 
<laughs> this guy is about to get an Article 15 and get the fuck out of the army. I'm still, you know, E2, E3, whatever. And I'm just like, you're an asshole. So I calm the people and I'm like, this motherfucker did this. And they're like, what? <laughs> so I get a call on my personal phone saying, just drive it as far as you can. And I'm like, what? <laughs> drive it as far as you can. I said, won't the engine explode? <laughs> and he's like, because of the security purposes and reasons, we have to have that vehicle back on base ASAP. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> I drive that bitch as far as I could. It knocking and rocking and it finally just went. <laughs> so I call back and it's like, it went boom. Yeah. So um, they tried to throw this incident all on me. However, the Sergeant Major is like, I know it wasn't you. Who told Sergeant you? Majors are so badass. I mean, oh, they, he was awesome. They are, so I have never met a shitty Sergeant Major. No, he was awesome. And he looked at me. He's like, who told you to do this? Why this? Why that? And I was like, nope. <laughs> nope. We have videos. Nope. Nope. Ain't saying shit. Okay. Well, you're going to have extra duty. And I'm like, okay. But okay. I ain't saying shit. I'm on my way to Germany anyway. <laughs> well, this was way before Germany. I think that's why I wanted to get back. No, <laughs> it wasn't. So there's that funny one. That's fabulous. That was, that's wonderful. I know. I think <laughs> Dude, it was, I, I was never so scared. I'm like, is this fucker going to blow nope. up on me? Because the engine was rocking and knocking and it was just, <laughs> I'm like, oh, we're going to die. <laughs> You're a motherfucker. I fucking hate you. Oh, uh, good times. Good times. I knew better to not put gas in a diesel, but what am I? Just a private, and this fucker should have known better. <laughs> There's my story, and I'm sticking to it. All right, what's story number two? I, I think we get a bonus I, story. I know. I I know. Well, I only want to say it because as a female, like to prove ourselves in everything. So I was definitely an E2 at the time. And so my area where my post was changing out badges for the secret site. So you come in with one and to be able to go inside, you have to switch a badge. So these two NCOs, they were E5s and E6, just talking nasty, dirty, just, you know, just... I could talk nasty and dirty, but I just wasn't in the mood to listen to this shit. And also I'm an E2, you're a five and a six. So yeah. I said, Hey, I looked at him. I was like, Hey, can you not talk like that? They're like, shut up. And I was like, listen, you're in my post. You're not even supposed to be in here and you're talking like that. And I do not appreciate what you're talking about. Please leave my post. And I said, no, I said, okay fine. Fuck you. I'm out. So I took my pistol belt out, dropped it off. I said, this is your fucking post. I walked the fuck out, went to the, uh, <laughs> my yeah. platoon sergeant that was, you know, across the way. I said, I left my post because these two guys would not stop talking as dirty as they were. I could talk dirty, not a problem. But when I ask you like, Hey, right. 
mm, you're yeah. in my spot, my work post. You're not even supposed to be here. Fuck it. I'm out. And yeah. so they tried to chew my ass and the platoon sergeant came in and he was like, fucking get out. And they just got their ass reamed. <laughs> so I only yeah. wanted to say that is like, you know, as an E1 or E2, E3, you know, you need to stand your ground. Yeah. And as a female in the military and not even female in the military, but you're a female in the army and you're a female in the army as an MP. Yeah. Like so many things that you were nobody to anybody. And in reality, you were somebody and you have to be a somebody. Yeah. I mean, out of like 250 people, 13 of you are females. Yeah. Well, I can hang out with the guys. Female military members and female veterans. Yes. Yes. Fuck all (laughs) y'all. So I just wanted to, it it wasn't a fun story. It was just like, listen, I'm not going to take shit. Yeah. Yeah. You disrespect me. I don't care who you are. Yeah. I'm out. So you really had to, you wouldn't have survived your entire enlistment there anyway. You had, you had to go to Germany no, no, or no, anywhere. Was, no, they, and actually those two guys became one of my great friends, to be honest. And they, they were really, they're like, you're a bitch, but we're pretty proud of you because you stood up, yeah. you know? And we really became, they, and like, if I, you can stand up in that situation and put them in their place, then like, you'll stand up to them in the, the face of adversity. Oh, yeah. I mean, after that, no, I mean, I had their back. They had mine. Yeah. But they knew, like, when I said, you need to fucking stop. Yeah. They knew they need to, like, okay, you're being a bitch, but we'll stop. And I'm like, I don't give a fuck. I'm being a bitch. You're yeah. being a dickhead. <laughs> yeah. Y'all definitely need to see this YouTube video. But. Yes, it's amazing. Um, I just, yeah, that's my, that's, yeah. Schwartz Davidson Law is a Texas based veteran friendly law. Credit and debt is a big game and one rigged for you to lose. The system's designed to keep you in it, it spending money and juggling different types of accounts so lenders feel more comfortable lending you money. (laughs) Worse credit equals worse rates, and there's no shortage of companies trying to collect. Negative reporting is an attempt to collect a debt. So what happens when a debt collector or credit bureau makes a mistake? What happens when they refuse to fix it? That's when it's time to lawyer up with Schwartz-Davidson Law. Call the folks who started in credit restoration, got a law degree, and have been holding the credit bureau's feet to the fire to protect consumers and help you take hold of your financial future instead of letting the anxiety of it run you. How do you get a debt collector to stop calling? Let them know you've got an attorney. How do you get the best deal on a settlement? With an attorney. You don't have to break the bank to fix your credit or deal with debt collectors. Contact the attorneys at Schwartz Davidson Law for a free consultation and let us go to battle for you. We're here when you need us. Amber, what do we have going on for a charity this season? All right. So for season two, of course, we're still going to continue to support Tovahala Project. Um, their mission is super important to us as podcast hosts and as veterans. And we are going to support Greg C. Washington and the Walk to Honor mission that he has going on, which is to bring about mental health and suicide awareness in the veteran community, as well as civilians. 
Greg is also a veteran himself and through his organization is bringing about awareness to veteran suicide. You need to learn about what he's got going on. You can go to his website. It is gregcwashington.com. And under his about section is a walk to honor. All right. Well, if you would like to contact Amber or myself for any further questions or for any reason at all, we can be found on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Veterans Drinking Vodka. You can also email us at veteransdrinkingvodka at gmail.com or check out our website, veteransdrinkingvodka.com. In case anyone was confused about who we are. Everything is drinking vodka. Like Amanda said, you can reach out to us pretty much anywhere. We would love to hear from you. If you're interested in being a guest on our podcast and telling your story, you can send us an email or a direct message. If you like our podcast, subscribe on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, Google Podcasts, Amazon, iHeartRadio, or wherever you choose to listen to your podcast. Also, leave us a review and let us know what you think. As always, the reason why Amanda and I started this podcast was to not only share veteran stories and to network with other veterans, but to bring about the fact that 22 veterans kill themselves every day and 22 is 22 too many. One is too many. And you are never alone. Veterans drinking vodka. Cheers.